If you feel like you're trying to make something work with somebody that you want to enter a partnership with, then it's maybe that kind of listen to your to your instincts and your gut. <laughs> but there has to be a lot of trust and yeah. there has to be a lot of respect for the other person. Yeah. And if you don't have that, it's not going to work. Hello and welcome. I'm Kate and this is the Freelance Founders Podcast, where we talk to creatives who have designed their own careers. We're so grateful to be able to interview these bright minds and share their incredible journeys with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Freelance Founders Podcast. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Ellie Mitchell and Arabella Espinoza from Weekend Creative. Welcome, both of you, and thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for Hi. having us. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so excited to be speaking with both of you. We have some really great questions to ask you all around Weekend Creative, your studio. But first, <laughs> we start off each of our podcasts by asking the question, what was your very first freelance rate? Oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh. Our first rate. Individually? Okay, individually or together? Because I actually don't know what mine would be individually. You probably have some. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It must have been like like something in college and it was like 20 bucks or something <laughs> like that for some portrait photos. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Our first one together. I mean, zero if we're really. <laughs> well, yeah. But our first paid job together, we didn't even ask to get paid. So I guess it's great we got anything. Yeah. But we made mm-hmm. $500. It was a two-day photo shoot. Oh we gosh. had to rent a studio. We rented equipment. We had to travel to the locations. Source all the props. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. we spent that money on the shoot. So I think we actually probably made like $50. Yeah. And how many images do you think we gave It was them? like 50. Yeah. At least. Mm-hmm. It was so many. Yeah. But we thought it was, we were like, oh my gosh, people get paid for this? Yeah. How crazy. <laughs> so did you have to cover the expense costs then of the studio, the props, the yeah. rentals? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then we covered everything. Got it. And then you just got paid that $500. Yeah. Yeah. We had no idea. Yeah, at the totally. time we were like, we got this check and we were like, oh my gosh, like we we mm-hmm. should become a business now because this is a lot of money. Because like, we're, what we're if we obviously going to be rich. <laughs> I feel like we've all gone through that at some point. It's a great learning experience at the end of the day, right? It's how you have to learn about starting a business. So I would love if you could both share a little bit about your own career paths and that led up to Weekend Creative. Ellie, if you want to go first, go for it. I changed my career a million times and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I found a wedding planning certificate program through the college Mm -hmm. I was going to. And I was like, that sounds interesting. So I took the program. It was six months. And during that time, I realized I wanted to do graphic design. So I went back to community college, did some prereqs, and then I would transfer to college again, (laughs) a different college to San Jose State. And I was studying graphic design and started working at a magazine there in San Jose and was doing some graphic design, but also managing a bunch of other things. I started doing art direction for editorial shoots and I loved it. And I was able to kind of learn a little bit of production. I met Arabella at San Jose State. So I don't know if you want to take over your journey (laughs) up until when we met. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I've always been into photography. That was something that was big in, you know, just growing up. In our culture, in Mexican culture, like, uh, you know, creative careers aren't very, aren't seen as something as mm-hmm. super stable. And so I love true crime a lot at the time. <laughs> I still do, obviously. But I remember I was like, ooh, I should do forensic science. <laughs> 
in college. And so that's what I started out with. Took that first Chem 1A class and barely passed. And I was like, this is it for me. (laughs) And so then I switched over to advertising. I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like I can kind of marry both the marketing product side of that business and then like something creative. And so I was doing advertising and I did a minor in photography. And so then we met in a intro to studio lighting class and we became partners for that whole semester. That was a really good way of us like working together and kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, helping each other out like creatively. And she ended up roping me in into the magazine, which like I didn't even know, like I've lived and grown up in San Jose all my Mm -hmm. life and I didn't even know that existed (laughs) until, you know, she told me about it. And so then we started working together on those shoots, like all those editorial shoots It was just like very natural that we were like, you know, I was photographer, she was art director and everything kind of started to mold there. And then finally, I think for like the two years before we actually got serious about We Can Creative, we kept joking about it Yeah, (laughs) for the longest time. Like, what if we had our own business? And what if we did this? What if we did our, our own thing? And it was mostly because, you know, when you work for somebody else, You have to like be under their direction. Mm -hmm. And we had very distinct ideas and very similar likes and and even in just mood and vibe and colors that we were interested in. And so for the longest time, we were just joking about it. And then finally we were like, all right, let's let's figure it out. Let's do something. Let's do things for fun. Yeah. So we started doing things for fun outside of work and then. Mm Like I mentioned, we reached out to this company. We were like, we'll shoot for you if you give us ice cream. And (laughs) they paid us. And that kind of made us realize like, okay, actually, this could be a business. And we started our business. I never thought that we would be full time at it, that we'd have a studio, that we would actually have it as a career. But yeah, everything just kind of grew over time Mm -hmm. very naturally, which was really cool. Yeah, very organically. That's amazing. It's so nice to be able to have this idea in your heads or on paper of like, oh, this could be our dream career. And then, you know, you put it in drive, but you're not really pressing the gas pedal too fast to really put it into motion. And when things are all happening organically and it's supposed to be, it's a really rewarding feeling. Once you look back and you think to yourself, wow, we actually did this. Now we have a studio, we have a podcast, we have great clients. That's really important, I think, to really look back on and and reward yourselves and give and celebrate a little bit. The idea of going freelance and having your own schedule or your own business is definitely something that is just an idea for a really long time until you're really able to grasp it and your things are just starting to happen naturally and kind of going into that direction. So I think a lot of us can relate to that. It was an idea and now it's real life. And this is so exciting. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I would love to hear a little bit more though on the story behind Weekend Creative. Where does the name come from? What are some of those core values that you developed together for the studio? Weekend Creative, when we came up with the name, we had no idea that it was actually going to be such a, Such a perfect name yeah, that will make reflect, sense for so many things. Yeah, reflect our values. Reflect our values and like, yeah, what we're all about. Yeah, <laughs> we just wrote a list because we were like, all right, well, I guess we're starting a business. So I guess we need to have a name. Yeah. And we kind of made a deadline for ourselves. Yeah. We knew we were going to go to this craft fair in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And we were going to these products. Yeah. Like brands. We were going to promote ourselves. So we're like, OK, by the time that happens, we have to have our website and our business cards and our name and all of that. So we 
were kind of trying to think of something. We wrote down a list, a really long list of all these different things that we liked. And <laughs> we just tried to like make names from this list. So, you know, very scientific and the way you should name your business. We had, I think, three names that we came up with. And I was like, oh, weekends. That's fun. Like everybody likes weekends. We and love the weekend. We love the week. And, and mm-hmm. at the time we were working, only working weekends and Mondays and Mondays because I had a full time job. So like weekends and Monday uh-huh. nights was when we would work. Yeah. And Arabella had a job, too. Which is obviously like, we enjoy the weekends. We originated from working creatively on the weekends. I don't know. We're all about, like, having fun. Like, if we're not having fun in what we're doing, then it's, Mm -hmm. like, kind of, what's the point? You know, if we're Mm -hmm. not enjoying ourselves and, like, really loving it. It also came to be that, like, our style really reflects, like, a weekend vibe in a way that's... I'm thinking of a California weekend where it's, like, sunny and there's shadows and it's, like, bright and punchy and, like... Everything just kind of sort of came together and we're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? I love that you went to a craft fair and were promoting yourself there. That's actually (laughs) so genius. We thought if we're going to like be serious about this, like we need to have like practice being speaking about our business, speaking about our business and like just putting ourselves out there. Literally. Mm -hmm. We would just walk up to people and be like, hi, we're product photographers. Here's our business card. We were not product photographers. We did not know what we we were doing. We did not know what we were doing. But we just told people that we did. And we got some clients from that. And we worked with some of those clients for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes. So you (laughs) met at school. You were in a photography class together. You partnered which helped make you discover that you can actually work together, at least do a little quick trial period. How do you both know that the partnership was between the two of you was the right partnership? I didn't really think about it, we, which I feel like we always tell people, like, you should really think about yes, who you're getting We, into we do not recommend just jumping in. But we had mm-hmm. been friends for yeah. a few years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had worked together both in school and at, at work, at our actual yeah. job. Yeah. And... Yeah, we we also didn't really sit down and define our roles, but that's something I would recommend to people is you kind of need to have distinct roles for the most part. It eliminates issues because mm-hmm. you have someone who's kind of over a certain area. Yeah. So then we kind of know, that. we kind of defer to the other person in that, but then we have our own things that we're kind of responsible for. Yeah. But there has to be a lot of trust and there has to be a lot of respect for the other person. And if you don't have that, it's not going to work. I think we had that and I think that's why it works so well. And we did have a very similar vision and a similar style and we wanted the same things Mm -hmm. in our business. And I think for the most part, we've stayed true to that. Like, I don't think there's ever been a time where we've both wanted to take the business in a really different direction. We're pretty much always on the same page. Maybe there's like a few little things that we feel like we should focus on differently, but it's nothing major. Yeah. The core stays kind of the same. And I think having those things that you're aligned with are like, were important for us to to be like, okay, like if everything felt natural to me too. It didn't feel like we were forcing anything. anything. So I think that's like, if you feel like you're trying to make something work with somebody, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. that you want to enter a partnership with, then it's like, Maybe that kind of listen to your to your instincts and your gut. <laughs> no, I think yeah. I think that that helps too. That the trust is such a big part of it, and understanding and having those separate roles and understanding yeah. each other's roles and, and having mm-hmm. and that respect for one another of just like also being able to take into consideration if something in one 
department isn't going right to be able to have a soundboard and somebody that you actually yeah, trust yeah. the opinion on, I think it's so important. I would love to get a little bit more into the making of a studio. What was the biggest <laughs> challenge and reward when starting your studio? So we had one studio to start. The studio we have now is much more suited to our business. Yeah. When we started our business, we didn't really have any bills that we had to pay. Mm -hmm. Arabella already owned her camera. We kind of had very minimal expenses. But then mm -hmm. launching a an actual studio, we suddenly had a lot more expenses yeah. that came along with that. And we did not have the financial record to nope. sh like At show all. that we could pay those bills. <laughs> so again, not something I recommend to anyone. <laughs> but it really gave us a kick in the pants to actually... We had to get clients yeah, and we had, had to, to grow money. our business and we mm -hmm. had to really work hard because otherwise we were going to be in a lot of trouble. So, yeah, I would say that was a challenge, but it was also something that was really good for us and it's continued to be really good for us. Mm -hmm. While I would always recommend keeping your overhead as low as possible, I think sometimes if it's worth it for your business and it's going to grow your business. Yeah. Well, it came out of necessity for us because mm -hmm. it was like, if it wasn't money, it was like time. We were spending yeah. so much time packing stuff up, driving, driving all the way to, to Berkeley or like San Francisco. All, all of that was time. Yeah. And it just made more sense for us to have one space like where we could have our stuff set up. And it just made us also, I don't know, more legitimate, I think, to mm -hmm. our clients. Like, mm -hmm. you know, now having a space like they could either join or like join remotely or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that was really good for us. And it, it only propelled us even further and. What would be your number one tip for anyone who's looking to open a studio themselves? Get to know who's in your area. If you're wanting, if you're to, wanting rent to rent it out, it out to other people. Yeah. Because our first studio was very small, which was fine for us. We were mostly shooting product. It was perfect for that. Yeah. But there's not that many product photographers in our area. There's only a few. So in our new space, it's much more geared towards portrait photographers, we have a lot of music videos shot here. There's a lot of musicians in our area. So <laughs> mm -hmm. things like that, like it's very tailored to everybody else who's shooting and looking for something. And it's also something that doesn't exist in our area. Like mm -hmm. it is very industrial looking. All the studios here are more kind of commercial looking. Yeah. So it's unique and it's also something that people need. So it's been very successful for us to generate additional income mm -hmm. from it. I mean, if you're just wanting it for your own space, we learned so much from that first space. Yeah, like, what we actually what we needed. needed. And we took that into account when we were looking for a second mm -hmm. space. So if you're just needing this for yourself and like, you you know, we had gotten our first space with the intention of wanting to rent it out. So yeah, getting to know your neighborhood is like the main tip. But if you're just wanting it for yourself, like just considering space and like how mm -hmm. much space you'll need, organization of like all of your props and all of, you know, like yeah. everything that you- Your own process. Your own process. I think it's also a really great tip that you should get to know people or find out who's around you in the neighborhood and if there's people that are actually going to be able to rent it from you or use it mm -hmm. in a in a way if you're not shooting in it constantly, it's another way of income for that space yeah. as well. Oh, for exactly. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really I think that's a really great tip. I would love to get into the side opportunities we can creative offers as well. So you both also do one-on-one -on -one coaching with new freelancers, which is incredible. Thank you so much for <laughs> contributing oh. to our community. What are some of the common struggles you see? I would say the number one question that people want 
to have answered in coaching is how do I price yeah, things? Pricing. Mm-hmm. So we get some people who want to talk about like editing or some people want to talk about renting a studio or things like that. But the number one question would be pricing, pricing and, and I think like licensing. just business, like running your business yeah. and like mm-hmm. process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the biggest question everybody asks when they become a freelancer. And I think some people are still figuring it out, even if they're a couple years in is, am I charging the right price and understanding their value attached to their work? I know with photography, you have usage rights, you have so many other licensing, Ellie, what you mentioned. I think the rate question is everywhere. And I wish that, and we've, we've had different people come on to events for freelance founders where they've given us worksheets that people can use to kind of calculate to make sure that their daily expenses and their monthly expenses are covered. And also, you know, how much money do you save for your retirement and how much money should you spend per week? That's really helpful for people, but it's still the question of when do I increase my rates? At what point am I able to increase my rates? Which is a conversation I think that is a constant topic and constant top of mind for people, no matter kind of where they are in their careers with it when it comes to freelancing. What would be your tip if somebody were to ask you that question? How would you answer that? It is really hard because especially with the work that we do, every shoot is so different. Every shoot is going to require different things. And so Mm -hmm. you can't really say, oh, this is what you should charge for Mm -hmm. a shoot. But we do do something similar to what you're mentioning, Mm -hmm. where we really recommend that everyone has a minimum for Mm -hmm. their Their shoot for every project. So we calculate that by calculating out our yearly expenses and including in that taxes and what we need to get paid and all of those things, every expense that we have in our business. That's our yearly goal. We divide that by 12. That's our monthly goal. Mm -hmm. So you have that kind of number you need to hit every month in order to meet your, your expenses. And then we... Think about, okay, how many projects can we take on per month? And you divide that monthly goal by that number of projects, and then you have your minimum. But that doesn't mean, oh, every shoot should be my minimum because Mm -hmm. there's going to be shoots that require more time or they have higher licensing needs or whatever it is. So you kind of want to customize for that particular project. But if you know, like if you take a shoot below that, you're losing money. Sometimes that is worth it, sometimes, but you want to weigh the pros and cons and make sure that you're going to be able to cover everything. And it kind of helps to filter through clients too. You know, we always ask, what's your budget? Yeah. We have a intake form they fill out and the, it's a required drop down mm-hmm. question. Like they can't not answer it. Their budget doesn't meet our minimum. Then we just tell them, you know what? This is our minimum. Doesn't mm-hmm. sound like we're the best fit for this project at, the, at this time. If you, mm-hmm. you know, have a larger budget in the future, would love to to work with you. And sometimes they turn around and they're like, oh, actually, we can do that. <laughs> and then we're like, all right, here's what we can do within our minimum for you. But it really helps narrow down. Because if you say yes to every client who comes your way, you're going to take on a lot of smaller paying jobs. You're not going to have time for some of those bigger jobs that come your way. And you're going to burn out. It's just not possible to run a business like that. And we always advise like to other freelancers that like a lot of your pricing questions kind of will be answered through experience because you'll know that after completing a project, you'll feel it, whether mm-hmm. whether that was something that you got paid your worth. And so you'll just kind of naturally like learn about like other things, even just like knowing that you have to 
include like how much experience you've gained, your skills, mm-hmm. like over time, even as you're growing your business and your equipment and like all these things, like all these components that you have to include into your pricing. And, yeah. and that only comes with with experience and with working on mm-hmm. client projects. I can't agree more with you, though, about having that minimum and being okay with saying no to clients when it comes to if they are not able to meet your minimum. I feel like a lot of people actually are afraid that if they say no, then that's going to burn them in the future because they're putting that out there. But really, it's just respecting what you need in order to live your day to day. That is so important to keep in mind for so many people because I mean, I just started doing a minimum work because like Ellie was saying, I was saying yes to so much, but I was getting so burnt out. And sometimes it just wasn't, the work wasn't rewarding. It wasn't worth it. And it's like, after taxes, I'm left with what? A thousand dollars for that, you know? And it's, and it's funny because sometimes clients also don't understand if they're not freelancers, we have to take into consideration so many different elements in creating our fee. It's something that I think is also okay to discuss and explain to your client. We need to really lay it out for people in a polite way. And because at the same time, I think a lot of companies are still being educated on how to work with freelancers and what it means to work with a freelancer. I think some companies have this idea that, oh, if I work with a freelancer, it'll be cheaper than having an employee. Because when you have an employee, you have to pay their insurance and, you know, social security and all these different things, but they don't realize that we're paying for all those things ourselves. Plus we're, if you have a studio, you're paying all these yeah. other expenses, our PG&E, our internet, our security, like our insurance, all those other things for that as well. And just our other business expenses that come along with having a business. So it's, yeah. you have to have a way to pay all those bills. Otherwise your business isn't going to be successful. Well, on the topic of clients, I would love to know, what do you look for when working with new clients or taking on new clients? And what is the process when a new client approaches you? If it's a name I don't recognize, I don't know that company, I will send them an intake form right away. So that intake Mm -hmm. form, it basically asks them a million questions. Part (laughs) of it is, okay, are they serious about working with us? And part of it is to figure out some things about them. Do they actually know what they want? It's really hard to work with clients who don't know what they want or can't communicate what they want. What is their budget? What is their time frame? Are these things that we can actually work with? If those things that they want are not realistic or don't we don't have the availability, then I can just let them know that without having to spend time getting on a call with them. Yeah. If it's a company that I recognize or know, I usually will get on a call with them. So that's kind of like our yeah. way that we vet people in the beginning. Yeah. But I'm, you know, even on that call, I'm asking questions about their budget and their timeline and all of those Mm -hmm. things and trying to figure out. I think for us, a good client is a client who respects us and sees us as an expert Mm -hmm. and who actually likes our style and the work that we do. And a client who is going to be responsive, who's going to pay us on time. And that's just respect too, is do they respect Mm -hmm. us as another business, not Mm -hmm. just a person that is going to do this little job for them. It's great that you have such a specific type of style. And I love that you do an intake form as well for companies you don't know. It also just helps you save time and it allows them to really be open and honest with what they're looking for. I think sometimes people are a little bit more honest with those instead of when you're talking to them right off the bat. 
it's so much back and forth. Whereas in the intake form, they can just like lay it all out, take mm-hmm. time on yeah. it and then send it back yeah. to you. I, I really love that. I think that's such a great tool to have and implement in your business. I think it's also like a little bit of gut too. And just like yeah. kind of figuring out their vibe too. And I don't know, maybe this is part of like how they fill out their intake form. Part of it goes back to like our name and like what we value, right? Like, is this client going to be fun? Like, is this going to be a fun project? Like, are we going to enjoy working with this person? Oh, it's going to be stressed are we out of our mind. Stressed out and like <laughs> dreading that email, those emails yeah. when they come in, you know? So that's something to kind of like consider. Always thinking back to like, what do you value in your business? Mm-hmm. And, and that will usually determine like, you know, the kind of people that you work with. Well, we have three final questions. We wrap up every episode with this. Okay. The first one is how do you measure success and what does it mean to you? Oh my gosh. Oh. Good question. I think for me, what I really want in our business is to have a business where we can be creative and do what we love, but we also have a lot of time outside of our business to also just live our life. life. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have the mindset of like, if I'm not stressed and if I'm not working 24 seven, then I'm not a real entrepreneur or Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it right. We kind of brag about how stressed we are or how much Mm -hmm. we have to do or how many projects we have. And I'm like, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, one project a month, like that sounds great. Like the, like I would rather work less, make more and live my life and like Mm -hmm. love my job. Yeah. So I think that to me, I don't know if you agree with that. No, a hundred percent. I think working less, making more and just enjoying life. But I think part of it also for me is like, am I happy doing what I'm doing? And am I really enjoying everything that I'm producing and like, and, and even just like within our business of like all the educational things that have come out of it. Are we helping um, people? people? I want to help people. I want to inspire people and I want Mm -hmm. them to feel, I want to help other people feel confident that they can also be their own bosses or like create Mm -hmm. their own dream. That's been like a personal life goal Mm -hmm. for me anyway, like just inspiring other people. So if I can do that through my business, then that's like perfect. Yeah. I think those are both great ways of measuring your own success. And I can agree more waking up in the morning and loving what you do is so important. And I think that's like one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to a lot of people. It's like, if I ever wake up in the morning and I'm not excited to do what I'm doing today, then Mm -hmm. why am I doing it? Then it's time to change and it's time to pivot and find what is going to excite me because life is too short and you're supposed to like what you're doing. I have a tagline. I feel like when you talk to different freelancers, do you have any sort of mantra or tagline you share with your team or with freelancers that you're coaching? I don't know if we have a mantra, but we <laughs> there's some phrases we say a lot. Is it the weekend yet? Is it the weekend yet? It's, I mean, I think something I've been saying more recently in regards to people like asking if they should work for free or things like that, I'll tell people like, if you're not getting paid, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. And mm-hmm. so do you want to have a business or do you want to have a hobby? I used to work for free all the time and it was yeah. definitely we not a did. hobby. I, we all did. We all did. <laughs> I mean, I did for many, many years. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with keeping something a hobby either. Yes, like exactly. But it's a choice you have to make. But it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you have to look at it differently if you mm-hmm. want to make it your career. Yeah. Final question. What is your ballpark fee right now, current day? Oh, well, our minimum right now is 15000 mm-hmm. We still have some old clients who are below that, but they're like our loyal, long-time 
clients who've been with us for years that we like gradually increase their rates, they'll probably never get up to be, because our minimum is always going to be raising too. Yeah. So they'll mm-hmm. probably never be at that, but that's okay because they're so great and loyal and mm-hmm. wonderful. But yeah, that's our minimum right now because one, the value of our work, but two, mm-hmm. we would really love to take less projects. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of our mm-hmm. ultimate goal is like one max two, one max two. And, and most of our projects end up being above that minimum. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's really great. And I think it's a great way for people who have their own studio or just starting out to aspire to. And I love that you guys are wanting to also focus on just one project or two projects per month, because then it, you really are putting in such an amazing quality of work. You're not getting burnt out. So I, I really appreciate that and respect that. Well, Arabella and Ellie, thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been so fun. Thank you so so much. (laughs) We love everything that you guys are doing and we feel honored to be a part of it and that we get to support people together. I think it's so cool. So thank you so much for having us. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my chat with Ellie and Arabella from Weekend Creative. To find out more about Weekend Creative, head over to their website, weekend-creative.com. To learn more about Freelance Founders, head over to our website, FreelanceFounders.com and follow us on Instagram at Freelance Founders. We hope you'll share, subscribe, rate and review the Freelance Founders podcast, which is available for free on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and have a great day.